everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles framework. Let's dive right into today's episode. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest, Dale Shaver and Laura Catherman. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about them. Dale serves as the director of Waukesha County Department of Parks and Land Use. As director, Dale is responsible for a comprehensive range of countywide services and functions in the areas of economic and community development and environmental health. Dale has significant experience in optimizing organizational performance through strategic direction, performance measurement, mentoring, and collaboration. Dale serves as a cabinet-level advisor to the county executive. Laura Catherman is the director of the Waukesha Ozaki Washington Workforce Development Board, which was created to address local workforce and macroeconomic issues. Laura works with board members, businesses, local elected officials, educational institutions, and workforce system stakeholders to facilitate collaborative and creative workforce solutions. In addition to her work with the board, she works on a number of local community-based efforts and initiatives and designs and delivers training programs on strategic planning, continuous improvement, and building strong teams. Board dynamics have been, it's just been increasingly complex in recent years, which has resulted in increased conflict, public attention, and higher turnover rates for high-performing leaders. As you'll hear in this episode, Dale and Laura are models of how to build trust to enable success for leaders and boards, such an important topic. So it's with great pleasure today that I welcome Dale and Laura to our show. Dale's been a guest with us before and glad to have him back. And Laura's so glad that you're joining us today. Welcome. Thank you, Janet. Thanks Good. for having us. Absolutely. So let's kick it off. Gosh, we were at our uh, conference in the end of July. You all did a presentation there. So many good things about the presentation and the work that you're doing. So you recently there shared your insights on building trust um, to enable success for boards and leaders to get together and do good work. So from a county government perspective, why do you think this is important for school districts? And Laura, I'll turn that to you as we start. Thanks, Janet. So when we were doing some research on this topic, we came across a lot of great statistics and articles, but a couple that really stuck out to us that reinforced what we were trying to get across during our presentation. One came from the Wisconsin Policy Forum, where they identified a 25% superintendent turnover rate last year, up from about 15% in a typical year. In addition to that piece, there was also a 2019 Wallace Foundation report that showed that principals have a substantial impact on perhaps second only to teachers. So nationally, one in five schools lose their principal each year. This turnover that we're seeing, coupled with some of the school board turnover during recent elections, creates a real need for confidence and trust to be built and maintained between leaders and boards, despite turnover. It's just a critical issue that we know that leaders need for success. So the same trust and confidence exists between organizational leaders in business and governments, regardless of turnover. 
I think at first glance, it's easy for people to assume that some of the issues that school districts face are insular in nature and only affect the students and the staffs and the families that are currently attending. And so we know that that's really not the case. Dale and I both have the pleasure of working in the economic development space, and we both serve on economic development boards. And we know that the health of a school district is a leading indicator of the health of a community. One of the top factors that businesses look at when they want to expand or move into a community is the health and performance of a school district. So the same is true for most families looking to move in an area. So this issue really is community-wide. It's not specific to just a district. It affects the whole community. Yeah, so important. The significance of the turnover um, is unbelievable at this time. I mean, just it causes great disruption. So you're right. As we look out over the landscape and we look at thriving communities, the school systems are a key component of the community and the economic impact that occurs within the community. So, you know, and part of that, Dale, as we're thinking about it is, you know, there's been a lot of conversation in media and in towns about board members and so in the new board members in terms of the elections that have occurred. Now, when you welcome new new board members, you know, what approach do you take to introducing them to the organization in general as a as a board being a major part of the work that we do? Well, like school districts, county boards, many of them come with business background. Uh, we have some that lead inside of businesses and some that even own businesses. And so what we've learned over the years is it's very important for us to lead with how we do uh, make decisions in a business-like manner. And so we view our board as a policy partner. And so uh, that kind of goes in a couple of different ways. One, I think what's really important for us is to understand right away what their what is. Uh, And so in this case, what are their beliefs and their perceptions coming in? Do they, what are they looking for from an organizational leader perspective? Uh, How do they prefer to be communicated with? What does that look like? And then what is their understanding of how our uh, strategic objectives were set? Because in some cases, Janet, as you know, in in a school district or any organization, bringing some of those strategic objectives to fruition take multiple years. And so we have one that we're running right now. Uh, in our park program, after we did a lean analysis, we identified that our park staff were spending over four hours a day, each day, collecting and managing cash. Well, we strategically decided if we could take our cash handling and shift it to credit card processing and make it convenient for the public to buy things online, we could redirect those hours uh, to provide enhanced customer service uh, for our park patrons. And so that's a multi-year strategy that we need to talk to our board about so that we don't start changing course midstream here. And I would say originally the goal was to redirect that staff time, but now we're really beginning to see that much like businesses we may be short labor shortage for seasonal employees. And that's just another reason uh, to get to that, that type of strategic outcome and to communicate that. And so when we, when we welcome our board, we're leading more with the why we do what we do. And so I think a couple of key things, again, using those business-like terms to give them comfort that that's how we work is very important. It's also very important for us to show them that we're very attentive to their constituents who are also our customers. We actively engage them in our business. And because we're also a quasi-regulatory business, we'll ask 
whether it's a restaurant or a business a builder or a developer to come in and work with us on our regulatory codes, because the last thing we want to do is set that sector up for failure to be a partner with us to achieve what we're trying to achieve uh, in our regulatory programs. Um, and then we can show them, uh, and I think a lot of your, your clients, Janet, understand the value of that customer service survey data, that we're able to show them that uh, our, not only are we engaging our customers, but our data shows that they really appreciate our, our uh, support for them and our service for them. And so, again, that just builds quick confidence and trust in our board. And since many of them are also engaged in businesses themselves, they know the value of an engaged workforce. So to be able to stand there and show them that such a high percentage of our staff agree that they're frequently asked their opinion and similarly believe that they're empowered to make those improvement decisions, that just allows us again to show our board who are business focused that our staff work with their head up every day. They're looking for ways to make improvement decisions. And then I think uh, that our strategic direct directions, we want to show them that those were mindfully picked to respond to uh, community needs several years out. So there's a purpose behind a lot of that. Um, and then we promise them that we'll provide them key information at key times uh, as, we, as we go forward. Yeah, as an as I listen to you, Dale, you know, I, I think it's a couple of things, you know, just the uh, empowerment, um, you know, that you talked about with um, with the board and then providing them with key information um, and explaining to them why you're doing what you're doing. And, you know, I, I think as we look at school boards, um, there's a you know, there's the initial part of school board members being elected. And then the game kind of changes once they're elected. You know, that's always what I say. It's like, okay, they're 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 out positioning a particular focus, their focused attention positioning through the election process. But once they're elected, the ownership of success now falls on the board, right? Um, because they don't want to be, they want to be successful, and they also now become part of the responsibility of that success versus sometimes being able to push against what's existing in order to get through the election process. You know, so I, I don't know what you feel about this, but I've, I've found myself in conversations with superintendents and executive teams at the K-12 level saying, you know, regardless of what occurs within an election, you kind of walk into the same place in the first day because everybody wants to be successful. I don't know what that, if that feels right to you all, you know, as you think about out about looking out externally into the communities that you serve in the school districts. Um, but if that resonates with you. No, I, that's exactly right, Janet. In fact, uh, a comment that I made at the conference was, we don't know uh, what perceptions those board members are coming in with. You know, do they see government or a school district as being bureaucratic? And so we just don't want to take uh, that to chance. So we, we in immediately try to embrace them into our business uh, practices so that once they walk in the door and they take that seat, it's, this is a team approach because uh, what, I, what I've learned over the years, Janet, is that the public doesn't differentiate between the elected official and the administration of a, of right. a school district or a board. It's all one and the same. And if the family isn't functioning, the family isn't functioning. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think so, so critical. Just It just hit me in terms of, you know, really 
um, how significant that is. Because you're right, the minute we walk in, we're, we're a team together trying to do the best um, for our community, for our students and our families. So I know, um, Dale, you all have established a playbook for success based on your previous experiences of navigating your organizations and boards through issues. So what type of experience have led you to developing this playbook? So for this, for our presentation in this podcast, uh, Laura and I spent a little time just looking at some of our data. And just in the past year, we had 101 board and committee meetings in county government which uh, led to 133 policy decisions that were made by the board. And so now some of them are fairly easy and uh, simple to navigate through, uh, but it caused us to pause for a minute and think about what's our system that we are using routinely to navigate or to work with a board to achieve an outcome that whether it's strategic or just operational to, to get that policy passed. And so uh, that, that system, as we started putting it on paper, uh, led to our, this concept of our playbook for success. And there's a couple of cases that really jumped out at us as we were uh, preparing this and we tested it against. Uh, one was uh, we had to make a business decision. Uh, the, the county owns and operates three golf courses amongst about 30 of them that exist in the county. And despite our attempts to enhance revenues and cut expenses and make adjustments, we just were unable to, to turn one of our golf courses into a profit center. And if we didn't make the business decision to close that golf course, it would have drawn down or dragged down the other two profitable or uh, profitable courses. And so uh, that was a business decision respecting taxpayer money. And so as you can imagine, the thousands of people that weren't overly thrilled with that business decision that we needed to have a playbook or a system in place to help uh, navigate our discussions as a as a policy body and a an administrative body to to that uh, business outcome. Um, and then every year we review multiple land use proposals from around the county, and we had a situation where a regional hospital system proposed to build a brand new hospital within three miles of an existing hospital that's been recognized as part of a, the community's hospital system since 1914. That issue, uh, land use issues, can sometimes divide a neighborhood. This one divided a community. We had citizens that were polar opposite because they had different beliefs over the quality of healthcare. Some of them wanted a new hospital because it was their provider network. Others didn't. Uh, it divided businesses. Some businesses felt that the competition would drive up healthcare costs and affect their bottom line. Other businesses subscribed to a free market economy uh, concept that the competition would drive down prices. And so again, we're, we're sitting in meetings with uh, well over 1,000, 1,500 businesses and citizens uh, putting pressure on our board um, and our process to make the right decision. We needed a system in place, a playbook, if you will, to navigate through those types of things. So at the end of the day, we could make a business decision that was, in, in this case, legally defensible. Yeah, so good. Um, and yeah, just to have that structure in place. So Laura, talk a little bit more about the elements of the playbook for success that, that you use to guide those decisions. So when we were reflecting on some of our successes and missteps along the way, we really saw five elements or themes or strategies rise to the top. And so the more we talked about these, we saw these as 
strategic playing cards that we could pull from the deck and apply in any situation. Because there might be some projects where you need to use all of the cards in your deck because it's a big issue, like the hospital system that Dale mentioned, or it could be a smaller project or issue where you might only need to use a, a few strategies. And so we package these five strategic playing cards into this playbook for success. And the first one is knowing your data. We know it's really important for organizations to understand which data elements will assist them in presenting a compelling story. It's really impactful when you can engage your team to use the data to create easy to understand visuals and key talking points that are easily digestible and repeatable. So you can arm the right people with the right information at the right time and they can understand it and share it. And so when we think about how an organization can understand their data and what will be important, we have some questions that we use for internal discovery. And so it can be, what are our internal and external data sources? What are our leading indicators that can help us be proactive in seeing these issues coming down the road? We look at how we can validate our sources. The last thing we want to do is have bad data or have someone question something that immediately loses trust in the information that we're trying to use to tell our story. We also want to look at what are the unnecessary data elements that might cause a distraction or dilute the message. We have fallen prey to being buried in our own data at times. Yeah. And so it's data upon data and the message starts to get a little thin. And so we try to pull out what's really critical here. What's the important piece for the story? And then we also want to make sure that the data speaks to our least informed audience member. So we don't want to make assumptions that everyone's coming in with the same base level of knowledge. We really want to provide information at a level that's digestible to the least informed person in the audience, because that really helps to tell a more compelling story. And that's really going to help us get wins in our, in our book. Yeah, so, so good. That's just good advice for anyone looking at data, Laura and Dale. You know, I mean, I think good for this in terms of the playbook, but you know, I, I think sometimes when we when we start gathering the data, some of the, the biggest obstacles is is getting so caught up in it that we forget what we're trying to accomplish to begin with and building that into communication that's meaningful. So really good, um, uh, good advice and good guidelines there. So, Laura, let's continue a little bit and and talk about how how organizations can use that data to help tell their story, because that's really what you're trying to focus on is is using the data for a good purpose there. Exactly. So the way that we've seen it be the most impactful is that when you can use it, use it to paint a visual or a picture that demonstrates a trend, you can create key visuals and talking points that are very easy to understand. So bite-sized pieces of information that your team, your board members, that your community can take with them and that are easily repeatable. So people are gonna talk about an issue in a community. We wanna make sure that the information is clear and concise so that when they're retelling this, that they're most likely getting an accurate picture of what we're trying to do. We also know that it can help build trust in our decision-making, it can help bolster arguments, and accelerate change. So if we can demonstrate through data that there's a trend that the community or that the board should be aware of, it builds that confidence in leadership and the organization, and it gives a little more uh, support to the, some of the change that is coming. Yeah, so good. You know, as we as we think about the conversations that we that we've had today, and just the great strategy and guidelines that you're providing. And you look at the changes that are occurring. And I, um, you know, you, you all do a fantastic work in your space and government. 
uh, you're a model. I mean, I, you know, I, I talk about you all the time. I always say, if we could just take what you all do in your organization and government, and if other governments would apply that, uh, we would be better off. We would be in such a different place. So you've just done phenomenal work. Thinking of of your place in a community, and you're looking across a county with multiple school districts and tremendous change. You know, Dale, thinking about the tremendous change that's just occurring with leaders moving in. We started the conversation, leaders moving into different positions, superintendents, new board changes. You know, if there were one or two things that you would say, hey, you know, based on what we've learned, this these are the one or two things that are just the most important thing to focus on as those transitions occur that could be helpful. What, do you, what, what might those be? Yeah, I, I think it's just understanding as as your as your new board comes in, uh, understanding where it is that you're meeting them, uh, and to have that clear dialogue uh, and be able to, I mean, that trust building may take some time then, uh, or it may just be instantaneous. But I think to take a moment to really have that conversation. Um, and to really instill that concept that this is a whole, this is an organization of the whole, and to serve our community, uh, it's really important. And I would say, Janet, we've, we'll say it again and again here. Um, we get to see this as a front row seat in yes. economic development. The vibrancy of a school district is so critical to the economic vibrancy of a community. And so it is so important for a school district leadership team, along with that board, to get on the same page with those with those directions. Yeah, I, I think it is. It's, you know, the the work that we've been able to do in connection with with you all is, is so significant because it is it is such a, a key um, part of of the community. You know, it, it's as you all know from the connection with Quint Studer years back, I mean, he's really done some some work in vibrant communities and we're still connected with, you know, how do we, we're kind of a, when, when Quint works with his vibrant communities piece, you know, we're really the connector of the education component there. And the conversations I've had with him, as he said, you know, we need to continue to work together because we need the education component as, as a key to helping us really build out the vibrant communities. Um, so I just just uh, appreciate the two of you, Dale and Laura, for the contributions you've made to your community, um, to being a role model for our government agencies, um, as well as the contributions that you've made um, to our educational systems. Thank you for the, the conversation today and just appreciate you tremendously. You're so welcome. Thank you for having us. I'm so grateful for this conversation with Dale and Laura. In a couple of weeks, we'll share part two of this interview, where we'll hear more about strategies from their playbook for success. And we'll get to hear their insights on when they recommend organizations should start running their play. They'll also share about how they were strategic in their communication when using data to tell their stories and lessons they learned in that process. You'll not want to miss part two. If you're interested in more leadership content, please head over to studereducation.com slash events. There you can register for some free webinars that we have coming up with leadership topics that will help you finish the year strong. On our events page, you can also check out our upcoming conferences. The next one is right around the corner. It'll be our 11th annual 
What's Right in Education Conference, and it'll be in Pensacola, Florida on October 27th and 28th, such a beautiful time of year. This is our biggest education leadership conference of the year. You can find out more information by heading to studereducation.com slash events. I thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Performance. Feel free to share this episode with a friend or colleague you think today's topic will find meaningful. And also, we love hearing from you. Feel free to leave us feedback on the podcast. Head to Apple Podcasts to find and rate our podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles framework so we can be our best at work. Have a great week, everyone.